Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Last Lap Podcast. I am your host, as always, Andrew Pearson. And alongside me, as always, is my faithful, incredibly faithful co-host, <laughs> Sean Gray. Hello. And joining us tonight, specially on loan from uh, Lights... Oh, blimey, I'm going to get the name of his blog wrong. Christ. <laughs> from Lights Out Blog. And, oh, who is it you write for again? Is it Badger or... Badger, yeah, Badger. Yes, it is good. Right, I got that right. So get the plugs in early, Nikki. That's what we've got to do because it's only going to go downhill from here. Right. What about the plugs? <laughs> uh, especially on loan from Badger GP, it's our good friend, Nikki Holdenby. Hello. How are you all? Very good, man. Very good. And very good to have you on the show once again. So, be back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, to start off with, I guess I, I, I should apologize on behalf of the show. Um, it's really an apology from me because it's 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 my fault that we we kind of petered out at last last season. Slight frustrations with Formula One and some things around Formula One and the general quality I, I would have to say of the racing made me not particularly want to do big podcast recordings. Uh, and work got incredibly busy. So hands up, I, I kind of I kind of left you all for six months to a six or eight months guess now um but we are returned refreshed reinvigorated and ready to tackle the whole of 2018 and get through the whole entire thing uh, and do every single race so that's your that's your meg's promise for this season podcast for every race done uh, we'll also be introducing. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> we'll also be introducing a new format. So we'll be trying to do shorter shows, uh, maybe in a more e- episodic style. So you might find that the uh, episodes numbers increase, uh, but the overall time for each episode will go down. We'll try and keep it to about half an hour if we possibly can, uh, just so that it doesn't drag on and on and on, and you can listen to us at your leisure. So, first off, <laughs> give us a bit of a break if we go over a little tonight. We'll try our best, but uh, you know, it's week one, so you know it's going to be. <laughs> Lots to talk about. New season. Busy winter. You know, if we go a little bit over, I don't think that would be the worst. But anyway. no, that's true. So we have got the first race weekend out of the way for 2018. It was the Australian Grand Prix. Um, a Grand Prix that we all seem to like, I think, was generally yeah. true, isn't it? That Love that track. And it's not the greatest for overtaking in the world, but... I don't know. There's, for some reason, maybe it's just because it's the first of the year, so everybody's excited for the new season. That that track seems to have fondness in my heart. Whereas if maybe if it was ten races in, it might get, it might not be as exciting. But... <laughs> yeah, I think that's 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 probably well true. Actually, um, I think but... it'd feel right if the season didn't start at Albert Park. Can you imagine? You imagine if it started at like Bahrain or yeah, not for we had me, that in I'd 2010, be... didn't we? Yeah, I'd be massively cheesed off if they changed it from Australia. <laughs> I fully expect them to try at some point. Um, but yeah. well, I do. I do wonder. Funnily enough, I was thinking about this the other day. I do wonder when Liberty start having more control over these bits and pieces, whether we'll have a US opener when you know 
when they that's start. That's the kind of thing I would expect them to try and do. To be yeah. honest, yeah. I thought you know I could I could see Austin maybe starting so that they could have you know this Las Vegas or New York or whatever other race that they want to have in the US some, somewhere in the middle of the the season as well. Um, so how did you find the winter? Were you keeping up with testing? I did tried enjoy, to keep up with testing. Break? Did you did you feel like you need you need the winter because I definitely did. I yeah. did last season pretty disin, disillusioned with the sport um so yeah I, de- I definitely appreciated the break um come back sort of raring to go all top three teams look more or less competitive we should get some decent decent close results throughout the season so i i i personally have definitely benefited from the from the winter and i think i hope the sport has as as in general too because last season ended for me probably the most demotivated i was about f1 in my entire life um, it was a bit of a damp squib wasn't it really yeah. from from singapore onwards it Just, was all kind of the eventual coronation of the uh the only person that was likely to win it from that point on um and that's never that's never fun for a season it wasn't fun when schumacher did it and it wasn't fun the season that Vettel won it really early as well. Um, I, I'm all for, you know, the best man in the best car winning the title. It's not a problem. But when it's all wrapped up, you know, pretty much with four or five races to go, and okay, I know technically it wasn't wrapped up until Mexico, but we all kind of knew really that the writing was on the wall from such a long way away from the end. It doesn't... It doesn't give you that excitement to tune in and see what's going to happen and, and you know, what, wonder what's, um, what twists are going to happen in the, in the championship when you kind of know it's going to take a, a near, you know, miraculous destruction of one car race after race to bring it back to some kind of contest. I think it was a combination of the early sort of writing on the wall regards to the championship versus generally poor racing and, Across the across the whole, I think just yeah, they, they, it petered out into into nothingness a little. But we're back, new season, positivity. Um, well, and that's funnily enough, that's that's lead on that, that, note, that in, in in testing, yeah. it felt that there was a much greater parity across a lot of the teams. Um, as you say, the top three teams still seem to be, you know, the best, but midfield seems close, seemed closer, and. Um, it's still slightly closer to the front than maybe they had been in previous years. I think so. Um, and judging by the race, I would say that's probably about right. Were you panicking when Lewis went six tenths clear in, in, in qualifying? It was all going so well up until then. Wasn't it? <laughs> in the first five minutes of Q3, or however long it was, with them all within a tenth of each other. And then Top. bang. <laughs> Lewis goes and does that. I've seen... Um, I've seen you, Megs, put on Twitter a few things, and I, I think I generally agreed with this, was that I think that was just a wonder lap from Lewis, uh, ultimately. I think the cars are probably within three, four tenths of each other, maybe, depending on the circuit. And for Lewis to go six, seven tenths clear in one lap with that, I think was just him being... You know, as... Lewis, really, isn't it? That's what he does. Uh, yeah, as good as he... That was his that was absolute peak peak Lewis and when he does that you just have to say fair enough um, because I think the race pace whilst he you know 
he was he's still probably the guy with the fastest package. It wasn't seven tenths, you know, it wasn't run off into the distance 25 seconds clear like we've sometimes seen in the past, you know. So I think on qualifying, you just have to tip, tip your cap to the man and say fair play. He's pulled out half a second from his orifice somewhere, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas I think Bottas, do you think Bottas had a lucky escape by crashing instead of being I think it's slower? <laughs> yeah, it looked really silly if he'd been, you know, behind the Ferraris or something and Lewis was that far, far in front. It's it's the most difficult thing, isn't it? You know, in in this current era of Formula One, where qualifying has gone back to being so important. Um, if you're a good racer, but maybe not that knife edge ability that your Lewis's, Vettel's, Alonso's can just magic, then you're going to end up looking, you know, worse than your teammate, despite the fact that your racecraft might be great. You know, if you if you can't pull out those magic laps to, you know, shave, well, in, you know, in Lewis's case, just shave six tenths, which is which is incredible it was an incredible lap um but it, you know on most days those those great drivers can shave those two or three tenths that gets them ahead of everybody else and it's magnified now i think in this series so i, I think nicky's absolutely spot on with that one that actually in a way that accident has kept the spotlight off off him pace wise even if it's kind of gone well what could have been if they'd been front row well, what? Yeah, it, it's almost like if he can do that, then he should have been second, sec, you know, on, on in second place. And if he wasn't, that's a big problem uh, yeah. for a man who's already under a lot of pressure before the season even seemed to have started. Spot on, I think. So, magic lap from Lewis, pole position, off to the best start, and then I guess the uh... Kimi in second, though. Let's yeah, you know, yeah, well, that's true. Um, he looked to have the man would perennially seem to believe he's being kicked out of Ferrari for almost <laughs> anybody else. The, the year is 2023, and Kimi Raikkonen just signed a new <laughs> one year deal at Ferrari. Like, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, he looked to have Seb's certainly in qualifying, he had Seb's measure. Um, and even even in the first stint of the race, he looked uh, Kimi looked pretty on it, not quite keeping up with Lewis, but I think, I think over the over the course of the races, the Mercedes was probably a tenth to two tenths, maybe three tenths uh, a second a lap quicker than the Ferrari. But when, but that's small enough for you to be optimistic about we could get some good races, like two tenths, three tenths. That's you know, it's not a second that that it was maybe two years ago, a year ago when Mercedes was turning up and they were a second a lap, maybe even more quicker. So in terms of the parity between sort of Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull. I think we're in a in a more positive position than we have been in the past, despite Lewis looking like he had the best package here. I guess the the hot topic then is is the virtual safety car and what what do we where do we stand on that? Because plenty of opinions floating around the the F one media circles about about this. So, Megs, what do you reckon? All clear I, and nothing more. Well, that. That's basically the the kind of way that I've looked at it. it was, we've gone however many years from having safety cars that have utterly changed the face of a race, uh, not only for bunching up the cars, but for allowing people to take 
quick pit stops whilst everybody else is, you know, is bunched up depending on where they are on the, the track. You know, some people win, some people lose out. And everybody seems to seem to have gone, you know, well, that's part of racing, isn't it? These things happen. and To the, to um, the point where it's encouraged. You know, people say, oh, I wish we had a safety car. That would make this yeah. race so much more exciting, you know. And, you know, and they build their it. strategies around them as well. Do you know what I mean? The, 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 the safety car window is, is, is now something people think about. Um, yeah, all of a sudden, with the virtual safety car, that's kind of gone out the window. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, see, now I kind of understand that people, because I was a little bit like this, I, you know, I, I've not always been like the virtual safety car is running the best way because it's supposed to the wording is that it's supposed to neutralize the race right that's that's the phrase that we hear and it doesn't really neutralize the race if the pit stop window is open uh it 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 still is affected by as we saw uh, and as we've seen in the past with other drivers who've you know benefited from the the vsc period timing to either make gains or make good on their existing positions. But that to me is the same thing as, you know, um, pit stops. You know, if your pit stop goes wrong, Hass, uh, (laughs) then (laughs) it affects your race. Uh, And there's nothing you can do about it. It, It's not based on uh, anything. There is a rule about it. People have to make pit stops, remember, in, in this this era of Formula One, they have to change to one other compound at least once. Um, but nobody thinks that that's that's a bad idea. Nobody thinks that it's unfair that you know things can go wrong in a pit stop. Like nobody's gone. You know what? What every pit stop should last twenty seconds, um, and the teams can come out and they can take their time, uh, and it's exactly the same for everybody, uh, and that's fine. You know, if a wheel gun doesn't work, then they can easily without rushing or doing anything different or dangerous change the change the wheel and off, off they go and we'll never have anything like two hasses retiring because they didn't manage to get their <laughs> the wheel gun on the wheel in point naught one of a second um and just and slow down the pit stop does anybody feel like that's that's a reasonable thing because because if you do then that's fine but that to me isn't the racing that we've all sort of grown up with um and I think, therefore, if you complain that somebody can take advantage of a virtual safety car, you're you're complaining about something that is out of everybody's hands, can't be planned for, and um, it is just part of of motor racing as much as anything that can go wrong in a motor race or right in a motor race for you. I'm very much with you. Um, I don't see an awful lot of difference from between a virtual safety car, you know, and the, and the and the ordinary one from from that ideological standpoint, you know, people plan to take advantage of an ordinary one if it comes out, and that team should also be thinking along the same lines if a virtual safety car comes out. The only difference is you're going to make the advantage is going to be ten seconds less, you know, or twenty seconds less or whatever. So, yeah, people suggesting that it, it shouldn't be fair or it, it should be the rules should be changed for me. If the shoe was on the other foot, if it was fans of a different team or whatever, their their opinion would be the other way around. Is the way I've seen it. Uh, is that people who are are Lewis fans are the ones calling for a rule to be changed. If it happened to if Lewis benefited from it, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't see the same people clamouring for a rule change. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, it, it's part and parcel of the game, and you have to. 
one of the key things of Formula One is being able to react quickly on the pit wall to events in the race that you can't often control. And that's, it's not just the drivers who are highly paid and skilled for doing what they do on the track. It's the engineers on the pit wall who have to make decisions in the blink of an eye and removing that element in the virtual safety car would be to, to the detriment of the show and to take something away. Uh, and if, sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it will go the opponent's way. And that's, that's part of the game. I wouldn't change it. I think any team or driver is always going to take advantage of any rule that they can. But what I would like to know is, is what's the difference between the virtual safety car speed and the pit lane speed? It does. I think, isn't it, is it less that um, with the way that the deltas work, because you skip a delta, um, you essentially can arrive at whatever time you like when you come out of the pit? Whereas if you're being held to a delta on the track, um, you're you're tied into something before you you get to where you're going. If you see what I mean, so it's like the moment you dive into the pits, you are at the pit pit speed le- yeah, or probably actually. I, I mean, depend, I guess it would depend on exactly when it comes into effect. I assume that as soon as you enter the sort of pit lane bit, actually you can go as fast as you want up until the pit lane sp- speed limit. I think you can. I think that's right because I'm sure I've seen Seb floor it basically <laughs> till to, to, to they got to the to the pit lane limiter and, did and then of course when you come out you can do exactly the same thing can't you? you 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 zoom out and then you're as soon as you're back on the track then you you're back in with the delta so the pit lane speed limit is a small you know it's the length of the straight at, at a slow speed but going into it and going out of it you you can rip the engine whilst the other guy is having to maintain whatever it is to make sure he arrives uh, uh, you know, unlike Daniel Ricciardo, not too soon. It'd be interesting to see in how many circumstances it's just quicker to drive through the pit lane than drive through the. Well, so that, didn't they say that? On, I'm sure somebody said that on the on the broadcast. Why, why doesn't everybody just go through the pit lane uh, and not stop? But I, I'm sure if anybody started to do that, they'd introduce a thing saying if you go into the pit lane and don't go into your pit box. That's Start closing a, the pit lane again. Like, um, yeah, it'd be very easy to legislate against that, wouldn't it? If people were taking the mic, you know. But it'll take probably take somebody to do it. As yeah, Nick, oh, like, because you know says, somebody would try it for sure. Like somebody would try it, no doubt about it. As Nicky says, people will take advantage of anything they can, and that's just part of racing. Like, as I said, I don't think if Lewis had won, these people wouldn't have been clamoring for a rule change. <laughs> So looking a little bit further down from the, you know, the, the heads up battle, which was kind of dis- decided by the, um, the VSC, we're kind of looking around probably sort of fifth onwards here, um, where we end up with that, this sort of weird um, train of people from fifth to 10th, really, maybe even, maybe even sort of Perez and Ocon, 11th, 12th, who were, who all seem to be now what, what you might consider the midfield bat- battle apart from, um, Max, who'd obviously you'd assume in in most situations would probably have finished fifth ahead of Alonso generally. Um, yeah, an eventful race for young Max, wasn't it? He wasn't at the start. Did not have his best one, did he? Spun it in turn one. Um, it was yeah, did, it just I, seemed a bit, and he seemed to be just harassed on the radio for most of it. You know, he just wasn't happy at any point. And you get that sometimes where a driver's just not not comfortable for the whole race and doesn't have his best result. 
sure it's no reflection upon him. But um, he ended up finishing about half a minute behind Ricardo or something. So I think there is pace in that Red Bull. Max has just had a an off one. And as we know, it's it's Albert Park, so overtaking is difficult at the best of time unless you've got an massive advantage and we also know that following an f1 car these you know again in this era it's probably harder than it's been in anything um before it with the the sheer amount of um wake coming off the the back of the, the cars and the heat and the pirelli tires it's it's the the perfect storm for actually not allowing overtaking yeah, that's actually a good point worth mentioning with regards to Vettel and Lewis actually that when Lewis did come out behind him he just couldn't you know, he got within a, a second or two, got almost a DRS zone, and then just couldn't do anything about it. Um, helped if Vettel had six slap uh, younger tires, but well, Lewis had you do get the thing. feeling that even if they were on the same one, it probably yeah. would have been a similar result. I, I think, I think if the, even if Lewis is on fresher tires, I'm not sure he would have been able to get past, and that is something that should fill the fans with a little bit of concern. Uh, Day one, I know it's Albert Park. As you said, it's tough to overtake, but it did look pretty, pretty rubbish didn't it? <laughs> for whoever was behind. And yeah, um, and Lewis admitted in the press afterwards that you know he just uh, it had, well, there was no point ruining the engine. You know, so not the Which greatest. Another point. I think we shall we shall yeah. save to the and next. Another the next tangent question. about engine rules and stuff. There's yeah. so many different things you could discuss there, but. Um, so going back yeah. to going back to fifth, Alonso in fifth. Now, obviously, we know we lost both the, both the Hasses to um, wheel incidents. So to, to madness. Like, what, how did uh, the, the second one's worse because they know it. They, they messed yeah. it up the first time. Like it was so surreal. I've never seen anything like that. It's one of those just weird things in Formula One that, that has this habit. One every now and again of just going. You think you've seen it all? Well, <laughs> let mm-hmm. me tell you, madness. But um. Yeah. Let's um, let's talk about that midfield battle then. Essentially, uh, as I see it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, we've got a, a sort of set of three teams really that are in the midfield. It's McLaren, Renault, and Force India. I would say now, that's fair. Yeah, I think Castle will be there for the first few races. Oh, sorry. Oh, yes, yeah. and and, and that's, 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 that's yes, of course. So that's that's fourteen midfield. Um, Has in qualifying seemed to have. Um, the the opening edge, which you might expect, having you know the the undercarriage of a of a Ferrari in there, it's, it should be a reasonable uh, reasonable car going into the start of the season. Um, how do you see? Do, do you see the order that they kind of finished in here being representative of, of the cars, or do you think maybe McLaren were a bit lucky to end up you know ahead of both the Renault, you know, ahead of a uh, essentially ahead of both the Renaults in terms of, of you know one driver ahead of one one other driver from Renault, and our Force India as bad as this result seems to seems to come across. Nicky, from McLaren's sake, I hope that uh, they were as good as they looked. Um, but yeah, I mean the th- the thing between Renault and McLaren, I think could go on all season, and it's going to be a really interesting battle because uh, Renault aren't going to want a new customer team to finish ahead of them. That'll be interesting. Uh, no, that will be highly embarrassing, really. Um, although uh, I think they've still said that they feel that this year is more of a building year, still um, coming closer to uh, 
them for starting to fulfill the you know the 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 time and money that they spent into the team um i, I seem to remember I when, they, when the first came out sorry when the first came back in didn't they say that they wanted to be fighting at the front by 2019 i think that was the that was a phrase Goal admitted shift. the goalposts seem to be shifting every year <laughs> yes it, it, it's, it's always a rebuilding year, year isn't it yeah. three <laughs> um, rebuilding years in a row but I guess we could say the same thing about Honda, couldn't we? Really, is that every year was going to be the one where they they took that step forward and <laughs> were challenging people at the front, and it and it never materialised either. Um, I think Nicky's right about Renault and McLaren. Though They're, that's you say who who's going to be the best of that midfield battle. The truth is, I have absolutely no idea at this time. Um, <laughs> it looks close. It looks really close between McLaren and Renault for sure. I think. The Force Indias and the Hasses will ultimately be behind those two as the season progresses, which is probably understandable given the budgets and the the talent available to the two bigger sides. It would make sense for those two to be to be ahead. Um, Force India definitely cause for concern there. Um, they've had that Mercedes engine for the last three or four seasons, and it has done them a world of good. But perhaps a little suggestion now that the engines are a bit more levelled on. Uh, level playing field and the guys like the Renault and the McLaren who you know will will bring it from a chassis development point of view possibly now jumping ahead of them which is a shame for for the, the Force India guys who have been you know the champions of the underdog for the last two or three seasons but I wonder if they've peaked now um, in terms of how far up the grid they can sort of climb and I wonder now if they're going to find the double points finishes that they were getting all season last year possibly a lot more difficult to come by. Which is a shame because, you know, who doesn't like Force India? And in Perez and Ocon, they've got two guys who... Love crashing into one another. <laughs> they certainly do. But also two guys <laughs> who, you know, are good to watch. Both of them yes. are good TV, you know. You know you're going to get excitement when those two are involved, when whether it's against each other or it's against the rest of the field. And it's a shame if they're not quite as competitive as the where last season, but it does look that way to me. It does look like the Renaults and the McLarens have made a significant gain, whereas for Sunday have perhaps just plateaued a little. Uh, that to me, I mean, it's only day one. We don't, you know, but it did look that way, and it, and testing kind of felt that way as well. So, um, but where the Haas fits in, uh, I'm not sure because, as you rightly point out, that's, that's just a Ferrari in it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where that will fit in exactly. It's Time a great Ferrari. If that can just take take bits of points off the Red Bulls and the McLarens and stuff, I'm sure Ferrari will be happy happy with that. So that's very true. Not 100% sure where they'll fit in. Does look as if we've got the, the Mercedes, the the Ferrari, and the Red Bulls are three, and then the McLaren, the Renault, and the Haas possibly as the next three, and then Force India. And that's before we even talk about Williams, who are in big trouble, by the way. And it's already day one. So yes, that'd be my assessment on it. Um, Renault versus McLaren all season is certainly going to be a good one to watch, especially looking forward Fernando, to it. Fernando battling for something meaningful. You know, he he heard his tone and stuff. He was he was in a good mood this weekend. Mm. That's what we want to see. So, so let's um, stick with this race and we'll we'll talk about the the teams and stuff maybe in the in the next episode uh, just to cover those but let's talk about the kind of after the force indias because essentially it, the the it, it was the the rookies um plus what would probably have been marcus ericsson somewhere in, in the mix so you had leclerc 
Uh, was it? It's not Leclerc, is it? It is Leclerc. I think I, I think <laughs> I deliberately French, nice. Frenchanize <laughs> his name, but I think it is actually Leclerc, isn't it? What's his nationality? He's Monegasque. Yeah, I was going to say that's not French, is it? You know, it's Nico Rosberg, Mark II, like, <laughs> like where he's from, um, or, or Roman Grosjean, the other one who we're not quite. I think sure he, I think he might there. legitimately be Monegasque, though, as opposed right. to <laughs> tax exiled in, in Monaco. Um, so, so, so we're going with Leclerc, are we? Leclerc, yeah, I think um, Lance Stroll. Uh, I still just see him as a rookie. I can't, and I probably will do for the next five seasons, but there you go. Um, and Brendan Hartley in the Toro Rosso, uh, 13th, 14th, 15th as the last of the finishes. Um, I felt very sorry for uh, Charles Leclerc because he basically um, did some overtaking and got none of it on TV. Oh, it, really? It didn't see him. That was weird. Why didn't you yeah. see him? What was going on? Uh, I... Uh, it's weird, isn't it? I think it must have happened at times in the race that other things were going on. It's the only thing I can think because yeah. watching a Sauber pass, because uh, was he? He didn't start well. I don't think he was right at the back. I think for at the very start of the race, and I was a bit like, "Oh, that's a bit." Nah. So he's passed at least Lance Stroll, if not both Lance Stroll and Brendan Hartley at some point. I think. Um, you know, I didn't think of it at the time, but now that you've mentioned it, I'm back going, yeah, I didn't, don't think I did see him at all. Like, <laughs> the only time I remember seeing a Sauber on the telly was when Marcus Ericsson retired. So. Well, this is, I think that's the same for all of them. The only Williams I remember seeing was Sorokin's one with the sandwich, in, uh, with the... Um, <laughs> the sandwich gate. <laughs> yeah, in the thing. And um, the only Toro Russell I saw was Gasly's one exploding. I'm sure I've seen Hartley a couple of times, but maybe it was just because he was getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's possibly it, unfortunately. Oh dear. Um, now, it seems like that's going to be a tough season for all three of those teams. Um, although I guess Sauber will take some some pleasure in the fact that they didn't finish plum last, as they have done pretty much for the entirety of the last two seasons. Um, out of those three drivers, who do you think is the one that's most likely to nick those championships Championship points, including Sorokin and Gasly in, in, in all of this as well. Yeah. I worry about Williams a lot. I think Stroll proved last season that he's got he's got something. It took time, but he, he's got something. That performance where he was on the was he finished third in the end? Um proved that he has got some sort of ability, but I really, really worry about the development of that car. Um as I said about the four Cindias, the Mercedes engine perhaps bailing them out at times of the last couple of seasons. That might, that slight advantage is probably gone. Are they developing that car the way you know the Renaults and the McLarens etc. are clearly judged on this performance? Not, and I wonder if we're going back to the days of um, the, you know the early 2010s before the ring, in, uh, sorry before the engine regulations changed when Williams were pretty much you know. Q1 knockout every single week and it just feels like that's where they are at the moment which is a concern Sauber have been poor for a long time as well so who's going to be it's a race to the bottom who's going to be the worst of those three teams you've got the Toro Rosso with the Honda engine which is not going to help anybody you've got Williams who feel like they haven't developed and you've got Sauber who have been mismanaged for three four five seasons so Who's the rubbishest? <laughs> it's a race to not be the rubbishest, basically. Well, that's, that's kind of why I thought 
it's better to talk about the drivers than the cars because the cars all seem to be, you know, have to have their own yeah. issues, which I think we'll we'll discuss in a bit. But I, well, I mean, if you if you, if you picked a, if you had to put, pick, a put your, pick a driver to score that, you know, that yeah. surprise uh, tenth place, yeah, probably, probably Leclerc. Having having admittedly not seen a lot of him this weekend, just looking at the classified results and the times and relative to where he's finished. Um, so not not too far behind the Force Indias as well. You have to say he looks to be a talent, you know, and he's certainly someone who I'm really looking forward to seeing more of, given that he's a a Ferrari um, prospect. But if you were to put your, you know, nail down one as the one who's going to be the best out of those three this year, yeah, I would probably I'd probably take him. I think. Yeah, I think Leclerc. And I think you guys. I think you would agree. Yeah, I would. I think you would agree. I think what's interesting about Leclerc is that he was not point not eight behind Ericsson in qualifying and he'd never driven Albert back before Friday which is quite impressive and Ericsson's really. had what five years experience yeah since 2014 so yeah. yeah so when we get to the tracks that he does now is he going to be ahead of Ericsson it's going to feel a little bit like Verline isn't it again Ericsson comprehensively it, it feels like it doesn't it that there's there's yet again another person popped up in a in a terrible sauber against the, the the man whose sponsors are, are keeping the team alive and it's going to be the other guy who's going to you know shine and thankfully for leclerc he's um he's got a future for him in a ferrari unlike poor pascal verline who has been booted aside from that. you know for for from the Mercedes program to to go back and race in he's back in DTM isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was good in DTM. I'm sure he'll be good in DTM again. But he clearly had enough in him to be a worthwhile Formula One driver, world championship contender, or any. You know, I don't know anything about that. But he was better than Marcus Ericsson, and that's pretty much all you needed to know. Agreed. Um, and, you know, lots of positive things to say about Leclerc from all three of us, I'm sure. But as I sort of alluded to, I think Stroll has got something as well. He just, I just worry that the car is not there for him this season. What about Gasly? Oh, gee, I don't know. I never, I've, not, I've not seen enough of him either or his limited experience in F1. So I, I, I would not be in a position to comment on Gasly. Um, again, I I, 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 having seen what he did in GP2, he, again, should have more than enough talent to be able to score the odd point. Um, so I wouldn't... That, he, it's, him and, it's him and Leclerc are the two that I think are my, would be my two most likely picks. You know, I, I think Stroll it's... over Gasly, but then that's probably just because I don't know enough about Gasly. So maybe ask me in two months and I'll maybe have a different opinion. Yeah, yeah but maybe that's fair as well. I can't what about you, Nick? If, you, if you're going outside of Charles, is there, is there a... Pr- I was just going to say about Hartley. I feel like he's already becoming the forgotten man in a fight. <laughs> he's had like one race or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it'll be interesting to see how he does compare to Gasly because they've had very different careers in the past couple of years. So to see how... The problem we're going to have there is it might be difficult to compare because when are they both going to finish a race with the Honda oh, engine true. in the back of the car? They're going to have possibly got that much reliability that it's going to be really difficult to gauge actually who's outperforming who on the track if only one of them's finishing every week so but i agree with you what you're saying there like already like i'm not sure i'd be able to pick brendan hartley out a lineup like that's 
You would have done if he'd had if he'd had the haircut he had about three seasons ago, which is <laughs> this massive mop of blonde hair. But he's yeah, he's a bit anonymous now, unfortunately. And then there's Sorokin, <laughs> who <laughs> again, I'm, poor uh, guy Sorokin. Do you know what I mean? He had um, he had decent results in GP two. He wasn't a bad driver in GP two, but <laughs> he's in Robert Kubica, and at, that, at this point, there's nothing he can do. Do you know what I mean? He's he is essentially Roman Reigns to <laughs> Robert Kubica's Daniel Ryan. Like this, nobody nobody wants to see him in the car. They all want Kubica in the car. So, do you think there's a chance that Kubica will drive that car this year? I think there is question. a. I think there is a small chance. I actually don't think it's as big as some people are are thinking. I think Sorokin would have to do have... incredibly badly. Just if I mean? he has no points by midway of the season, you think Williams might look at it and just go well. I think they'll have to judge it on results depending on where the car is. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. the car's not capable of getting anywhere near the top ten, then you can't judge him on points. But if he's if he's consistently well off of stroll, then there's almost no point, is there? So um A bit like um Palmer last year. You know, Hockenberg yeah. was in seventh or eighth and Palmer was in fifteenth, sixteenth. Yes. You, you just you look at that and just go, well, see like, and go, what is the point? You know. And and that that doesn't mean that, that Palmer isn't a good driver. It just means that in at this point in whatever the careers and cars are, it's it's not it's not going for him. And at that point, you you know, you, you can't carry on with something that's not going to yield the results that you need. So, so... Just bear in mind as well that um, Stroll was behind Massa in qualifying for a lot of the year last year. So yes, <laughs> only going backwards really. If they if they keep getting drivers who are worse than. The previous one. Worse than Felipe Massa. That's a bit harsh yeah, on but Massa. Massa but yeah, I was see your point. out-qualified by Bottas at almost yes. every rest of the year before. So if it yeah, continues going on, the downward, um, downward spiral to the back of the grid. That's what I'm oh. saying. I do worry about them. Um, but Williams, Williams have bounced back in the past, you know. Let's have, a, let's have a chat about that on the, on the next episode because I think, I think we can devote a lot of time to, to Williams in, in this in this with all of these sort of things. So we'll cover them in a bit of detail in the next episode. Uh, I think that takes us about half an hour, give or take. Probably 35 minutes, but, you know. For, uh, Fernando got driver of the day on the Sky Sports poll. Does anybody want to disagree or give someone else driver of the day? or with, uh, Give it to Max Verstappen. <laughs> 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 Fernando seems like a fair, fairer choice as any. I mean, yeah, really, I think you couldn't really give it to Vettel after he was more or less fortunate to get to get the win. So no, and Daniel, Daniel you know, Rick had a good race. I think every, I think a lot of people had a good race, but I think you you know to be able to keep the Red Bull behind him for the for the half the race, I think you know you give you got to give Fernando it on on the day for that one. Fair enough, couldn't argue. Well, I think that takes us nicely to the end of our uh, our first race review episode. Uh, I hope this new and revised, slightly shorter format is uh, suiting everybody. Please uh, let us know on Twitter at Last Lap Podcast. Uh, let us know your thoughts and, and any comments that you have. It'd be lovely to hear from you. Uh, lovely to hear you on race day or any time in between. In fact, just get in contact. Um, I will let Nicky plug himself and his various <laughs> various outlets because I can hardly keep up. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Lights Out iPhone Blog. And uh, you can find my writing on lightsupblog.com and on badgergp.com as well. Well, hey. Oh, you also sing a little bit, don't you, Nicky? I do indeed. I'm uh, 
back on BBC Radio York next month, I think. Doing a live session. So that'll be fun. Hey. I'll need to remember and check that out, man. Cool. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we will see you in the next episode where we shall talk a little bit more about the team's fortunes for the upcoming season uh, and some of the uh, bits and pieces that are floating around the S1 sphere. So again, on behalf of me and Sean and also on behalf of Nicky Holdenbeef, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.